Hello, I'm Jonathan Smith. I'm the lead pastor at One Church TO, and you're listening to the teaching time from our weekend gathering. We're an imperfect community of over 70 nationalities and five generations who are attempting to follow and shine Jesus in the greater Toronto area. Our vision, it's so simple. We want to help people from all walks of life know God, love people, and in turn, impact our city for good. We've designed these weekends to be meaningful, challenging, and encouraging, and I hope that's what you get from listening. For endless days, we will sing his praise. In other words, the answer to the question, are we ever going to be free at last, is yes. The only question is, do we want that kind of freedom or not. The baby boomers certainly thought they wanted freedom. In fact, they created a musical genre of rock and roll. Rock and roll, more than any other musical genre, I think, represents pushing against the system, pushing against war, pushing against any kind of social inhibition to any kind of pleasure that might be pursued. Oh, here's, here's a... Uh, triplet you've heard before. Sex, drugs, rock and roll. A whole musical genre to express a desire to be free. But it's interesting as you start to look through some of the music, yes, these are LPs, as you start to look through some of the music, you become aware that the cry for freedom is still meant is still meshed with the the struggle to find it. Okay, you know this group, obviously, uh, the Beatles, uh, Scarborough, Ontario group, I believe. The Beatles, uh, 1966 to 1970. Listen to some of these song titles as an expression for freedom. Oh, Lucy in the Sky with Diamonds. Notice the acronym LSD. Revolution. Oh, get back. There, there's get back to where you once belong. There's there's a song of being in exile, longing for Exodus. Come together. Uh, a, a song that somehow a community could be formed, and then maybe not uh, maybe not uh, insignificantly for me, anyways. The last track on this two album said. The long and winding road, um, which I take to be a sign that as much as we may long for it, it's not around the corner. Hey, Dr. Van, come on. Well, suggest some new music to me. Simon and Garfunkel's greatest hits. Not, not their lesser hits. Their greatest hits. Side two. Homeward Bound. There you go. Exodus. The next song, maybe their best known song, Bridge Over Troubled Water. But how do you get that bridge? How do you get to it? How do you march across it? And what's going to be on the other side? Oh, Neil Diamond. Now, this is one of his earlier albums, I think, uh, Stones. And it's interesting that this album starts and ends with the same song. Uh, so critical is this song to this album 
so popular has the song been that many of you uh, already know it. I am, I said, a declaration of identity in the search for freedom. Who am I? I am, I said, I am, I cry, and I am lost, and I can't even say why, leaving me lonely still. Boy, supergroup, supergroup of the 1970s, uh, super tramp, not just any tramp, super tramp. Had some of the most compelling music at the time. I remember hearing some of these tracks, thinking, I've never heard anybody do this before. It was rock, but yet it was rock plus. And some of the lyrics, um, okay, a, uh, a piano on a mountainside title track, even in the quietest moments. Uh, here's, here's a couple lines from, from that song. Even in the quietest moments, I wish I knew what I had to do. And even though the sun is shining, well, I feel the rain. Here it comes again, dear. And even when you showed me my heart was out of tune, for there's a shadow of doubt that's not letting me find you too soon. Is he talking about a woman or is he talking about God? Maybe both. The music that you gave me, the language, oh, the language of my soul. Oh, Lord, I want to be with you. Won't you let me come in from the cold? Uh, freedom. Hey, it's week three. Boy, this series is going fast. Uh, I like how Pastor Jonathan said it last week that exile and exodus, which has been our focus, it was in week two, it will be tonight as we look at exodus, and then back to exile next week. Uh, it's as if exile and exodus are on a loop in terms of our experience. We experience exile and exodus repeatedly. Uh, tonight, exodus, but, uh, but next week, back to exile, and in particular, please don't miss this one. Are you busy next week? Don't miss this, um, the soundtrack of exile. What kind of sounds do the people of God make in exile heading towards exodus? And part of it is lament. Uh, the title of this next week is, Can You Yell at God? That's next week. And then, Labor Day Extravaganza. For all of you who are not traveling and those of you who take your laptops and are, an extravaganza, hey, I, look at online, fantastic, bless you, but you might want to consider being with us uh, for our Labor Day Classic, 10 a.m. for everyone in attendance and only for those in attendance 50% off tithe, one day only. That's right, 50% off tithe, one day only. We're going to have a blast, so if you want to join us here or if you join us on uh, either Saturday night or Sunday morning online, that'll be great. I, I really like the way that Pastor Jonathan said it. Um, Exodus and exile on loop, but they are not equal. Seems like it sometimes. But Exodus is forming us in a way that exile cannot. 
exodus for the one who knows Jesus, who came and is now with the Father, is the dominant factor. So let's look at this session on the nature of exodus, freedom, from a biblical perspective. Because when we're, when we're talking about freedom, we're talking about getting away from the chaos, no longer being in exile, being free. Yes? Okay. Three things tonight about uh, Exodus. First of all, let's start with the obvious one. Exodus is freedom. Probably if I was preaching a sermon on one biblical chap from one biblical chapter on freedom, I'd go to Galatians 5. That's where we'll go, in fact. We can't stay that long. Uh, but Paul in the book of Galatians is focusing on the contrast between slavery and freedom. He doesn't mean slavery in terms of the uh, slavery of people forced to work without any rights, property owners of the slave owners, not so much that, though there was that kind of slavery in the first century too. But he's talking about the nature of, in terms of our relationship with God, uh, being, being a slave to a law or to a system that one cannot um, achieve success in. And he contrasts the Christian life between moving from slavery to the law to the system, freedom from it, and coming to know Christ. Now, he does really something quite interesting here. He speaks of the Christian as being truly free in a way that somebody who has not met Christ is free. Uh, you may wonder if he's right, but here's his argument. That before you meet Christ, you're a slave whether you know it or not, but the moment you meet Christ, you are truly free. You've, you've come off of the plantation. You're no longer bound. Your, your hands are free. And Paul says, okay, Galatians 5.13, he says, you, my brothers and sisters, you were called to be free. The call of God upon your life is for freedom. You are free. And now he says, you are free to choose one of two ways of using that freedom. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, simply becoming a person of self-interest. But do not use your freedom to indulge the sinful nature, which, as we know, can end up being slavery. It's interesting. We're all sensitive enough to the various addictions because it used to be people were just addicted to drugs or they were addicted to... But now we're, we're addicted to many things, yes? Uh, point easily made then. That for the person who uses his or her freedom to indulge the selfish nature, that's what's going on here, the, the nature focused on oneself. The person who takes their freedom seriously and says, I can do that, that, and that, often ends up being slaves of that, 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 and even that. Hey, I'm free to drink. Uh, there are, are there any alcoholic anonymous uh, chapters in Toronto? I'm free to use drugs recreationally. 
whose house can I break into to rob to get enough money to buy this stuff I just use recreational? Addictions to gambling, addictions to porn. In using our freedom, we become in bondage to it. Paul says, look, don't do that. That's not freedom. He says, use your freedom to find significance. If I may interpret what he's saying here, he's saying, use your freedom to become significant for others, for a community. Instead of focusing it on you, focus it elsewhere. But do not use your freedom to indulge yourself. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. Paul says, use your freedom to be significant. In someone else's life, in the life of a community. Freedom make a difference. Hey, this is, uh, this is the weekend where uh, my family, the Johnson family, is remembering the passing away of my father six years ago, this, this weekend. And uh, like other members of the family, I've been thinking uh, about him. He, uh, he was a pastor for many years, and uh, there's one illustration in particular I've never forgotten. He preached it at a youth camp, youth convention. I was there. He said, let's talk about freedom. He said, let's use the guitar and the guitar string as an illustration. He said, the guitar string, ah, there's one over there. The guitar string that is held in tension, that has boundaries, my term, but the, the string that is wired up is free to make music. He said, a broken guitar string. Oh, it's free, all right. Here's his term, free to be useless. Paul says, uh, you want to do something significant or you want to indulge yourself? Thank the Lord that the Spirit enables those who want to be significant to become the kind of person that is significant, we turn to our second definition of Exodus. What is Exodus? Exodus is freedom. Absolutely. Freedom to be significant. Secondly, Exodus is sort of a radical pushing the envelope terminology for change, right? But I wanted it to smack us a bit. Exodus is Metamorphosis, uh, a term that uh, we, we use for the radical change, caterpillar to butterfly. Uh, exodus is freedom because exodus is a change of our natures so we are able to be significant because, why? Because the place where we are going where the long and winding road is leading is a place for a certain type of person. I don't know if you've ever uh, been on one of these uh, tours of an official residence as you've traveled. For instance, I know that there are White House tours. I've heard about them. And, and apparently, uh, I don't know if they, they check you in advance, but there are public tours. I mean, potentially anyone 
uh, can take a tour of the White House. But if you've ever taken a tour of any official residence, you know, particularly if it's an actual residence, there's only certain places you can go. You soon hit the door that says prohibited, and you're led down another corridor because you're not the type of person who has access to the, to the, uh, to the residence itself. When we think of heaven, if you will, track with me here for a minute. When we think of heaven, think of it not so much as a location as it is a place that hosts a transformed community of people. Now, the, the spirit is enabling this change, so I'm certainly not saying, hey, up your game here so you can qualify. No, no, the, the spirit is enabling this qualification based on the work of Jesus. Yes, right? But still, understand heaven now is a place where only certain people can go, people who have been changed. Because heaven, however we understand where that is, is a transformed community of people who can live in sustainable relationship with their God and with others. That's why I couldn't get in tonight. Even if I tried, something would have to happen. Hey, are you available two weeks from now? Imagine this perfect community is one where every social media post is positive. Imagine, imagine a world where you don't need any passwords because there's nothing to steal and no one to steal it. That's why Pastor Jonathan could not go there tonight, because he's not ready. I mean, if Pastor Jonathan was, was in heaven like he is tonight, this morning, whatever time zone you're watching this on, people would have to get antivirus protection, right? Exodus is a change in your character. And even though there is a day coming, are you busy two weeks from now? It's already started. Metamorphosis is a strong word to suggest that the way to freedom is by becoming someone else. Oh, still you, but someone fully you. I forget what series it was, Pastor Jonathan, um, where we talked about how the word human has become degraded in our social discourse, such that we use human as an excuse. I'm only human. You know what heaven is? It's a place where you become fully human. Where you regain that image of God that became tarnished, that became dysfunctional, with the rebellion begun by Adam and Eve, and all of us are complicit in it. It's when you become you in a fullness as you take on the image of Christ and so regain the image lost in the garden. 
Uh, one more verse from Galatians. This is, uh, this is Galatians 5, 22 to 23. Uh, it's interesting that it tucked towards the end of chapter 5. There's six chapters in Galatians. There is a discussion of the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, don't, don't let its placement towards the end of chapter 5 fool you. It's about the fruit of the Spirit. Fruit of the Spirit is not a little additive. Yeah, you know, and as I walk with the Lord, I'm hoping to add... It's the point. What you are being changed into is the image of Christ. Let's break that down. It's this. The fruit of the Spirit, in other words, the change that the Spirit works in you, the fruit, that the results that can be seen are characteristics like this. Heaven is not so much a place as it is a community of the transformed, Fully free, fully human. And it looks like this. And notice how many of these are relational. It looks like this. We're people of love. That's a relational term. We love the Lord with a purity. We love each other with a purity. We're people of joy. We're in relationships that bring us joy rather than drama and chaos. We're people at peace with God and one another. We're people who are patient with one another. I'm gonna get you for that. Patience. We're people of kindness who act in a way to help others serve them rather than cut them. Sounds like the kind of person I would like to be friends with, yes. Maybe even the kind of person that I would want to be, yes. How about you? Goodness. Faithfulness in commitment, yes, to God and to others. Again, relational term. Gentle. And <laughs> not going nuts. And using your freedom in a way that destroys you. The fruit of the Spirit is the point. For as we become this kind of person, we are becoming like Jesus. Okay, now before we move to the third and final point, let me push this a little bit further. Let me then suggest that you should not measure your progress in your Exodus journey based on your circumstances. Base your understanding of the progress you are making as being people of exodus and freedom based on the amount of character change. May I say that again? Don't base your evaluation of where you're at. Hey, how you doing? Well, you know, I did this. Don't base your evaluation of who you are in terms of your exodus journey based on your circumstances, based it on the degree of the character change as you move from, hey, I'm only human, to fully that. 
Oh, one of the first illustrations I can remember using is this one. I'm being a little nostalgic tonight, right? Old LPs talking about my dad. There is this uh, myth of a Persian prince who was born with a hump in his back that made him unable to stand straight. He could not imagine the day that he was crowned king if he couldn't stand straight to have the crown put upon him. So he ordered that the uh, sculptors of the court would sculpt an image of him as if he was standing straight. And every day, the prince would put his back to the statue and try and conform his posture to that of the likeness behind him. And as the myth goes, of course, this is the way myths go. It was on the day that he was to be crowned king that he felt the thrill of the chill of the marble up and down his entire spine. He had become what he measured himself against. Don't evaluate your progress based on what's going on. Good luck with that. Base it on the degree to which the character of being fully human is being formed in you. Okay? Oh, we look to the sun. He's the image of God. Did we sing that already tonight? Okay, third. Third aspect of Exodus is that Exodus is through exile. Uh, Exodus is not a short commute. It's not a water slide, climb a few steps. It's not a pay pass, just tap and go. Exodus is through exile. you've, You've heard us say it repeatedly that Exodus happens through exile. We're people of exile, but we're, we're walking through it. Let me give you an Old Testament illustration, one that by now is familiar, and then a New Testament one. And then let's ask the question whether we really want this or not. We, uh, we looked at the spirit hovering over the chaos in, in week one. Now let's look at another passage about the spirit, again in relationship to chaos. This time, the chaos is not the primordial waters covering the globe. This time, the, um, the water, the chaos, is the Red Sea. And the scene is, let my people go, and Pharaoh let them go. And now, as they're trying to get away, the sea is in front of them. And it's too, it's too wide to cross. I, I reread the, the, that part of the Exodus that happened to do with crossing the Red Sea earlier this week. And it's interesting that, uh, unless I read it too quickly, the, the Spirit of God is not the focus in the Exodus story, in the book of right, Exodus. But Isaiah the prophet, looking back on that event, trying to call the people to remember the God 
who had been the god of Exodus at a difficult point in, uh, in the, the situation of the nation. As he's calling them to recall it, he, re he tells them that the Spirit of God was there. Let's take a look at it. So he's calling the people to remember, where is he who brought them through the sea with the shepherd, Moses, of his flock? Where is he who set his Holy Spirit among them, who sent his glorious arm of power? Notice the association, very common in the Old Testament. If you see the term Holy Spirit, don't be surprised to see the term power paired with it. Who sent his glorious arm of power to be at Moses' right hand, who divided the waters before them to gain for himself everlasting renown, who led them through the depths. Isaiah said, the spirit of God was there as the power of the Lord, and as the sea receded and a way out was created, the spirit was there leading them through, providing their exodus. An iconic story for the, for the children of Israel. That's why Isaiah recalls it. But if you know the story at all, this was just the beginning. There was another 40 years of wilderness wandering. They didn't cross the sea and walk into the promised land. It wasn't a short commute. It wasn't a water slide. 40 years. 40 years. What kind of progress are we making, God? Of course, uh, if I'm reading, reading the Exodus story, it was about preparing the people to be the people of the promised land that was causing all the delays. And so the Exodus in the Old Testament was an extensive journey. Let's come to our New Testament example and the example of Christ. Let me take you to the mountaintop. Jesus has taken three of his disciples. They, not, they know not what they are about to witness, a scene that they would never forget. He took Peter, John, and James with him and went up onto a mountain to pray. As he was praying, the appearance of his face changed and his clothes became as bright as a flash of lightning, metamorphosis. Peter, John, and James see Jesus changed in front of them as a glimpse of what they would one day see and what one day we will see too. Let's continue on. Two men, Moses and Elijah, appeared in glorious splendor. This is quite a moment. Not only is Jesus glowing, but here's two of the greats. Moses, Elijah. And what were they doing? Well, this would be really interesting to unpack this, but we don't have time. That's okay. Let's get right to the point. What were they doing? I think this is encouragement, by the way. They were talking with Jesus. They spoke about his departure. Now, I don't often refer to Greek words because unless you know Greek, 
and I'm not in a classroom. But this one's really interesting because you know what the Greek word is. It's actually the word exodus. Isn't that interesting? Moses <laughs> and Elijah talking to Jesus about his exodus. In other words, about that, that weekend of death and resurrection and ascension. Now, which he was about to bring to fulfillment at Jerusalem. Now, if Exodus was something immediate, wouldn't this have been a good time to go? I mean, there's Moses and Elijah, you have company. He's already glowing with the glow of the future. And then Moses and Elijah leave, and Jesus is left on the mountain. For the exodus for Jesus meant suffering and death. The exodus that provides our exodus because Jesus went through it. And of course, we can't go through it like Jesus went through it. But the exodus that he endures was one that took him through exile and even death and out the other side. So the question becomes, because now we're talking about what it means for us to follow Jesus through exile. It means marching forward. It means suffering. It means carrying, in Jesus' words, carrying our cross. Can't save ourselves, but if we want to follow him, if we say we actually want to follow him, then we follow him through exile to Exodus. So the question becomes, do we really want to? If, if, we, if we picture ourselves going through the Red Sea with water on either side, the temptation for some of us is just to hop back into the water. The waves will take you back into shore. You'll be back in bondage, but at least you'll be in familiar territory. You know the complaint of some of the Israelites when it got tough. Hey, Moses, why are we dying out here in the desert? Why couldn't we just stay at home in bondage? It's interesting. Even the Babylonian exile, which Pastor Jonathan dealt with, not all the Jews came back from Babylon. Many stayed, made it their homes, raised their families there. The question for you and I is, as we finish this, is do we want this freedom We were uh, living for a short period of time in the West Coast, the wet coast. About 45 minutes drive along the Trans-Canada, about 45 minutes drive east of uh, Vancouver. And uh, one day, uh, one day, Karen and I decided that it'd be nice for a little day trip, two, two and a half hours south to go to Seattle. So I I'm plugging it to my three daughters, trying to get the enthusiasm up for a mini road trip. Not much, but a little exodus out of the city, yes. So I said, okay, so, hey, Saturday morning, you know what we're going to do? We're going to get up and, you know, pack some snacks, and we're going to go Seattle. Uh, and then Jenna, my oldest, says, okay, Dad, and wh what are we going to do after that? I said, well, no, uh, the point is we're going to Seattle. Jenna said, oh, Dad. I know, but 
what are we going to do after we see Atoll? Okay, and maybe she had it right. Hey, uh, I, I don't know how much storage space you have in your mind for imagery. Um, you loaded one two weeks ago. Remember? The spirit above your chaos. I'm seeing it again. Could I invite you to load another one? This time, um, see the chaos, see the spirit again. In fact, put them in sequence. So two weeks ago was the first one, and now this one. So when you flip, now you see the spirit. And now you see, because of the spirit, that the waters have receded, and there's a way out. And be so bold as to see yourself walking through the chaos, heading to see Jesus. Can I pray with you? Join me. O Lord of the Exodus, by your Spirit, lead us through the chaos. May we have courage to follow. May we, with determination, keep marching because we want to see you. We want to see Jesus. Pray this in Christ's name. Thanks for listening. If you found this helpful, we hope you join us at one of our campuses if you're in the GTA for a weekend gathering. If you're listening from somewhere else in the world, we'd encourage you to join us at onechurch.to slash live. We believe everyone can be a part of what Jesus is doing both in our community and in our city. So if you'd like to connect with us at a deeper level, visit us at onechurch.to slash next steps. See you next time. Thank you.